0: all stand at this time. We're going to be returning to the book of Jude. I've got today's message and one more uh, on the book of Jude. Today we're going to talk about the emotions of ministry. You'll see why as we read the passage. Jude 22, and if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. May God bless the reading of His Word today. Is my prayer. You may be seated. Remember that Jude intended to write a book about salvation. That's what he told us right at the beginning. Uh, He wanted to write about the common salvation. Instead, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write uh, that we are to contend for the faith. Once for all delivered unto, unto the saints. Jude saw the faith of Jesus Christ even then in the first century under fire. And uh, not only from the persecution from without, but also from the corruptors that were uh, arising from within who were turning people away from their belief in Jesus Christ. And, and so Jude saw our faith under fire. It's still under fire, uh, as we today must contend. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be out in the street arguing with other people, maybe do not share our beliefs. That's not what he's talking about. Uh, the main place we have to contend for the faith is in our own heart. Uh, Because there's a lot of pressure uh, for us to neglect the spiritual side of life. uh, To turn away from uh, belief in the biblical authority and what he called the faith. Which is uh, uh, of course what we understand to be the scriptures. God's revelation of truth to us. Uh, Last week we saw how that Jude turned away from the discussion of those who were the pretenders, the false teachers, the infiltrators who were coming in with their false messages and, and false truth. And now he's turned to God's people. How do you live in a world where your faith is under fire? How do you conduct yourself as a Christian in the midst of a day of growing deception? How do we deal with it? And today he talks about the emotions, three of them. Compassion. Fear and hatred, compassion, fear, and hatred. Three emotions, strong emotions that God calls us to utilize as we reach out to people around us, as we minister in a world where deception is real and growing. Where so many false Christ and false messages about Christ are in existence. How do we minister? And we minister with these powerful emotions. Compassion, fear, and hatred. We need them all. I read a story about a time when it was popular for newspapers to sponsor contests. In which people were asked to write about a subject, and then their writings uh, were judged, and they would win a prize uh, if they uh, were able to write well. And in this particular contest, it was conducted in France about the famous art museum, uh, the Louvre, that famous art, art museum. <laughs> My South Arkansas tongue does not roll R's; can't make it happen. Sorry. Uh, It asked if the museum were on fire, which painting would you save? The winning essay was the one that was said to have answered, I would save the painting nearest the exit sign. (laughs) Hey, at least he would save one. At least he'd save one. I heard about a church that had a painting of a ship that was sinking and the lifeboats were in the water and the painting showed a man in the lifeboat grabbing the hand of a man in the water. This, of course, was supposed to illustrate the church's goal to rescue the perishing. A little boy was intently watching, looking at that picture in the church as little boys so often are inclined to do and he was said to have asked his dad Is the man in the lifeboat really trying to save the other man? Or is he just shaking hands with him? That's a very good question. Are we trying to save people? Or are we just shaking hands? In Mark 8, Jesus asked two incredibly important questions. Verse 36, he said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I could, I could preach all day on just those uh, two questions alone. I'm not going to. Uh, but those are two very good questions. Both of them highlighting the incredible, inestimable value of the soul. You see, if a person is able to reach out to another person so that that person then believes the gospel of Jesus Christ and is saved, then you have saved something. You have been involved in the salvation of something. Uh, Obviously, Jesus Christ does all the saving. But when we share the gospel... (laughs) Uh, It's like Paul uh, talked to Titus and he said uh, when you're preaching the truth then you will both save yourself and them that hear you. There is a sense in which we have a part to play. That part of a witness. There is a soul then that's going to heaven and that one soul according to Jesus Christ is worth more than the entire value of the United States of America. One soul. Worth more even than the national debt. Gross national product. The wealth of the whole world. Put it all together. Everything the world has and everything the world owes and everything the world counts valuable. All the natural resources, everything. Put it all together. Jesus said a soul is more valuable than that. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what would a man give In exchange for his soul. No, Jesus did not ask the question improperly. We would ask the question, what would a man get in exchange for his soul? You don't get anything. Those who give up their soul for whatever will lose everything, including their soul. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus knew it. Whatever bargain you strike is worthless because you'll lose it all and your soul. Jesus said that he was come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he calls us then to that same ministry. And Jude describes these three strong emotions then with which we are to approach this subject. And the first one is compassion, compassion. Jude describes those who uh, are not maybe uncertain, not maybe who are are doubting. Uh, They just don't understand things when it comes to matters of religion. They don't know things when it comes to uh, their relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe they're concerned, but they don't know a whole lot. And so we're able then uh, to have compassion and to approach them very, very compassionately. We understand their feelings. We understand where they are. We care about them. We love them. And because we see them maybe interested in spiritual things, because we see them maybe with a a smidgen, an inkling of an idea, and I'll say to you again, as I have many times before, if you ever, ever run across someone who is seeking God in any way, shape, form, or fashion, that is proof positive that the Holy Spirit of God is working in their life. Because the Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. Man in his natural state is not going to seek after God. So if they're seeking after God, you must... Well, I wonder if they're under conviction. Yes. Yes, they are. I wonder maybe if I need to talk to them. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you do. You need to be very uh, very compassionate toward that. Very sensitive toward that. Because we have something that they desperately need. And that is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jude teaches us then to be very compassionate in our dealings with the lost. You probably never heard of a man named Raymond Dunn. He was born on July 17, 1974, and he died January 17, 1995. He was born with an undersized brain. He was born blind, unable to move. He was severely retarded, allergic to all kinds of food then, except one. He survived on a diet of a meat-based infant food made only by Gerber in did I say that right? Gerber or Gerber? Gerber. Thank you. Gerber. It was ingeniously called MBF. It means meat based formula. That's all he could eat. It's what kept him alive. In nineteen eighty five, they stopped making the formula. By 1990, their supply was completely gone. The company sent out appeals to other companies maybe that might be willing to make it. None was, and amazingly then, they shut down their assembly line. They retooled their space. And for just one day, they made a two-year supply of that formula for one man. Two years later, they had to do it again. And they did it. You say, why would they do so much for just one person? By the way, did I tell you they did it for free? Many of the employees even donated their time to the cause. You can look it up online. Raymond Dunn, they also call him the Gerber boy. Why would a company do that? Compassion. Compassion. You've got somebody in your life that needs the gospel. Far more important than an infant formula not to minimize what they did. Let's understand that the effects of the gospel last forever. Forever. John chapter 3 and verse 16 puts it so famously and so simply. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We need compassion. As we minister in a sin-darkened world, we need a lot of it. There's a lot of things that will turn us away from our compassion. There's a tendency, something about life or living that causes us to get a little bit hard-hearted. Hard-headed too, I can vouch for that, but hard-hearted. We don't want that to happen. We need compassion. Second emotion he talks about, I'm going to call compulsion. Others save with fear pulling them out of the fire. Now Jude, you see, turns his attention uh, to that person who is already in the fire in a sense because they have rejected the things of God. He's describing not somebody maybe who just doesn't know. Maybe they're kind of interested. Maybe they kind of think about God and, and want to have a relationship with Him but they don't know how. Kind of interested, certainly not hostile. Now he's... Turn things up a little bit. Now he's talking about those who are in the fire. Those who are absolutely uh, hostile toward the Christian faith. Because they're living in the effects of sin. Uh, Perhaps you have a child that loves to play in the fire. I had several of them. uh, But one of ours (laughs) was especially prone to playing in the fire. If there was a fire burning... He was going to get in it. If there wasn't one, he was inclined to make one. I mean, you know, you just have that. Uh, Sometimes we see kids who are playing perilously close to the fire. You ever seen that? Fire's out there burning, and theres I mean, they just love. They're going to get something. And you see that kid, and he's standing so close. That kid doesn't see it, but you see it. You see the coals that's right there at the little child's feet. You see them looking up, they're liable to catch his pants on at any time. You say, Well, that's not my kid. I don't care whose kid it is. Chances are we're going to run up there and say, You're too close. You need to ease back. We might look for mom and dad. Hey, mom. <laughs> I don't know. Let's uh, that's that's pull them back. Our kid, whose kid, doesn't matter. They're too close to the fire. We know how dangerous it is, though they don't. A lot of people in our world today are living their lives perilously close to the fire. They have no idea how close they are to a place the Bible calls hell. You and I know. I can make the sound for you real quick. It goes like this. That sound stops. Oh, preaching about hell isn't very popular these days. I want to talk to you this morning about the greatest preacher that ever lived. He was the most loving and compassionate preacher that there ever was. He was amazing in his understanding of biblical truth. He could communicate it better than anybody else He loved people. His love for them was unquestionable. I'm going to show you what he preached. And this is all just in one book. Matthew chapter 10 verse 28. This great preacher, his name is Jesus. said, Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body. In hell, Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall He say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from Me, you curse, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, verse 46, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. That's just one book, one gospel account. You read through the gospels, you'll find out that Jesus, the greatest preacher that ever lived, the most compassionate and loving preacher that ever lived, the one whose love for the world is unquestionable because he gave himself for the sins of the whole world. Jesus preached a whole lot about hell, about hell fire, about eternal damnation and eternal punishment. The people who are facing this are not facing this necessarily because they're bad people. They may be good folks living a a decent life, but they have no relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And because they don't know Jesus Christ is their Savior, then they're facing an eternity in hell. They may think they're all right. we know better. They're way too close to the fire. And so we experience that fear for them. We know, we know what they're headed toward. And so Jude calls us to minister then to this sin-darkened world with great compassion. But also with the motive of fear. We're ministering to people who don't fear God, maybe. Maybe. Who have no idea of what they're facing in a Christless eternity, but you and I do. And so we have fear. But you also then minister with caution. With caution, thirdly, verse twenty-three: Others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Word translated hatred in this passage refers to something detested. The word hate and hater has become a buzzword in in modern discussion in life. And there are a lot of areas where hatred is rampant and completely inappropriate, inappropriate, completely wrong. Much hatred exists for people that is related to nothing more than ethnicity. And some people hate people because they're Jewish or because they're African or because they're Indian, or because they're Arab, or Native American, or Caucasian. It's a sad part of humanity when men hate men because of their skin pigmentation. Something they have absolutely no control over whatsoever. Nothing. It's a sad day. Much hatred exists because of ideological persuasion. People are liberal or conservative. They're Republican or Democrat or Libertarian. And they're hated and hate each other. Sooner or later, and usually sooner than later, hatred boils over as violence and death. Okay? This kind of hatred then is like cooking with a pot with a lid on it. It's going to boil over. It just happens. Sooner or later. Sooner or than later. It's only so long that that hatred can seethe in a person's heart until it blows up. Only so long that hatred can seethe in a culture, in a country, until it blows up. It's a very bad and evil kind of hatred. While that is true, it is also true that Jude calls us as God's people to minister with hatred in our hearts. He tells us what we're supposed to hate. Hating even the garment that is spotted spotted by the flesh. Defiled or spotted. Now, what he's speaking of here is the consequences of sin. And he compares that to clothing that is spotted or defiled. Now, a lot of things can cause clothing to be spotted or defiled by the flesh. I mean, just talking about clothes that we wear. And uh, all kinds of emissions, things that happen that causes clothing to be soiled spotted, defiled and when we see that, we handle that very, very carefully. Those of us who, like me, were alive when the AIDS epidemic hit in this country, you know that AIDS changed everything, well not everything but it changed a whole lot of things. When I was a child going to the dentist, you might be surprised my dentist did not wear a mask, did not wear eye covering, did not have latex gloves. Did any of you have that same experience? Nod your head? Yeah. Your dentist? No, that no, they weren't bad. It just didn't happen. When did that change? When a bloodborne virus for which there was neither treatment nor cure nor vaccination, no way, certain death. All of a sudden, then, everybody in the healthcare industry had to start being concerned about anything that would bring them into contact with blood or bodily emissions from another person. Are you with me? AIDS did that. In the Bible times, their epidemic. Was leprosy. Leprosy in a similar way. Caused clothing to be affected. Had secretions. Especially for clothes that were worn close to the skin. Clothes then that had been worn by leper. They knew you could get leprosy from that. And so they handled it very carefully. And after his death. Those things were all to be burned. Even his house was to be burned. Because coming into contact with anything that was related to leprosy could give you leprosy. When Jude talks about this and calls on us as God's people to hate the garments that are spotted or defiled by the flesh. He is talking then about the effects of sin in the lives of other people. And how that the very people that we minister to can be very infectious. They're they're so caught up in sin and all of its consequences. Of course, they don't see uh, what's what's bad in their life. Uh, It's just their life. They may actually see their life as pretty good and kind of fun. They think that we might be immune to the problems that we're in or we might think that we're immune to the problems that they're in. Uh, That's not the case. It's almost inevitable, in fact, that when you go out and try to minister to people who are caught up in the lifestyle of sin that they're going to try to recruit you. (laughs) Why do they do that? Uh, They've done it before. There's been many a godly man, many a godly woman who went out to try to help somebody else who ended up being called over into their sin. So Jude warns us. Oh, we don't hate sinners. Remember, he talked to us about that compassion that we have to begin with. Remember that, that compassion? Oh, we're afraid for them. We're, We're afraid for their future. That's why we're out there trying to reach them. He said, while you're out there, you also need a healthy dose of fear. Don't get drawn into their lifestyle. Don't get pulled into living uh, the way they're living. One of the greatest dangers that a lifeguard faces in trying to rescue a person who is drowning is not the wind, it's not the waves, it's not the current or the depth of the water. The greatest danger that a lifeguard faces in trying to save a drowning person is the drowning person. They won't mean to. But they could very easily drown you. While you're trying to save them. And so Jude calls us also. To minister with hatred. Not for the people. Not at all. But the hatred for what sin. Is doing to them. What sin does to people? Hollywood shows you a version of sin without consequences. All the people who are selling alcohol, they don't take you down to the substance abuse ward and show you what alcohol does. They don't take you to the funerals that I've preached and I'm going to tell you something. Cirrhosis of the liver due to alcoholism is a terrible way to die. It hurts. They die in pain that morphine can't take away. They don't show you that when they're putting liquor on the ads. The Bible says, Woe to them that put a bottle to his neighbor's lips. Make him drunk thereby. It's a terrible thing. Sin has consequences. And as God's people, God calls us to look at what sin does to people. Look at how it ruins families. Look at how it ruins lives. Look at what it does to people. Hate what it does. And when we keep that alive, that helps us a whole lot more to be fearful (laughs) for those who are caught up in it, amen, and fearful about their eternal destiny and compassionate because, oh, how they need Jesus Christ and the gospel that can save them. We live in a world of growing deception, of deepening darkness. A world of demonic oppression, a world of sinful destruction. It's out there. And God calls us to minister to them, to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying, to snatch them in pity from sin and the grave, to weep over the erring one, lift up the fallen, to tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. We minister with compassion, with fear hatred for what sin does the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the power of God unto salvation do you believe that you believe that think you can do better than that the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the power of God unto salvation do you believe that you believe Jesus Christ will save everybody who calls on him you believe that let's go live then appropriately because the world needs to hear from people Who know what the gospel is And know what it will do Before I close this morning I want to tell you about the gospel The gospel offers you something That everybody in this room needs Forgiveness Forgiveness You need forgiveness because all have sinned And come short of the glory of God There's not a just man upon the earth That doeth good and sinneth not Not one That means that everybody needs forgiveness Forgiveness And forgiveness of our sin comes in only one way. And that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He was nailed to that cross on Calvary. He died and gave His life for your sins and mine. They buried Him, but He didn't stay buried. He came back to life to prove that He has the power to give life to anybody who will call on Him. And He gives out a simple plan. Whosoever believeth on me should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You ask Him to be your Savior. You ask Him to forgive you of your sins on the basis of what He did for you on Calvary. And that's how you can be saved. Saved say.